Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Well, judging by the amount of work we're doing with organisations at the moment to draft these policies, implement these policies, um, I would think it will be the vast majority of Australian employers that will introduce mandatory vaccinations. I think I would go so far as to say by November, December this year, um, 80 to 90% of employers will, will have these mandatory vaccination policies in place. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine at the GRC Institute. And today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Joy Deepor. Uh, Joy Deep is the found, founder and managing principal specialist labor and employment law, f- law firm and management consultancy, people and culture strategies. Um, so, hi, Joy Deep. How are you doing today? Hi, Kwame. Very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, so, in our past couple of podcasts, uh, we have been dealing with um, when it comes to COVID and working from home and those kinds of issues, we have been mostly just looking at how do compliance professionals manage their systems remotely and those kinds of questions. But I don't think enough has been attention has been paid in terms of the employer and the employee relationships and responsibilities of both players in the situation. So to really get started, um, so people get a sense of where you're coming from, your perspective, uh, People and Culture Strategies is a unique law firm. Can you tell me a bit more about the firm's history? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, set up the firm in 2010. We are a, a quite a different law firm in that our focus is very much on working with clients at the, the front end. So our, our mantra is more about prevention rather than reaction, which is quite atypical in the context of lawyers and law firms going back many centuries where lawyers tend to be brought in when there's a problem, when there's a crisis. Um, our focus is on trying to help clients uh, avoid having those crises to start off with. So we do a lot of work, not just in the advisory space, but a lot of consulting work, a lot of training work, uh, a lot of systems reviews, a lot of audits, a lot of diagnostics. So what we're really trying to do is make sure that our organisations are in good health so those legal issues don't arise. Excellent. Uh, So obviously um, the big question, if everybody's been watching the news and you're not hiding under a rock, is the question around vaccines. And of course, there's lots of debates around that area. But I guess recently we've seen a company companies and some companies suggest and some companies take action in this space um, around the idea of mandatory and voluntary vaccines. So question for you really is, uh, why do you think the issue of mandatory vaccinations for employers has been such a controversial one in Australia specifically? Yeah, it certainly has been a controversial issue, uh, particularly in Australia. I think if we take a step back and see how this issue has evolved and why, you know, in um, August 2021, it is almost the number one issue around the um, employer, employee uh, management or response to to COVID and the the Delta variant. Um, I think for the first part of all of this, first six months of 2020, um, everyone was really just trying to get their head around what the issue was. And there was so much uh, struggle um, and and the adjustments to the novelty of working from home and the challenges of all of that. Uh, no one really knew what the uh, how bad this was going to get. No one really knew what the timeframes were. And while there was talk about vaccinations, I don't think anyone thought in the first six months of all of this that that the vaccinations would be a, a reality in a very short period of time. You fast forward through to May, June of this year, and particularly with um, the the situation in Sydney with the the lockdown. Um, 
and and the government's really starting to make noise and probably a few months in advance of that that the vaccinations was the passport to freedom and that was the kind of language that was used and of course that coincided with the availability of um, different types of vaccines here in Australia and globally and and around the world the the vaccinations rates starting to starting to increase and so I think that's led to this um, space which we now find ourselves where unfortunately case numbers increasing and and that situation having that almost um, out of control feel to it but a strong narrative being created by the government saying that look the only way really that this is going to allow people to live anything close to a normal life is if people get vaccinated so we're hearing every day from our political leaders that it's all about vaccinations now, uh, when you put all of those things together, what that meant was that there really didn't need to be too much consideration throughout 2020 for employers around how much they needed to or could vaccinate. And I think a lot of advisors in the space were, were, were really fence sitting on it and, and were saying, well, you might be able to mandate it. It depends on your industry. It depends on the work. Be careful about this. Be careful about that. Mm. But now we find ourselves where employers are seeing that, well, if we accept the rhetoric and accept the narrative, everyone externally is pushing society to be vaccinated, well, surely the passport to an employer's freedom and that return to normality must involve some consideration of, of mandatory vaccinations. But because there hasn't been that clarity and even governments up to now are still not providing that unambiguous clarity to employers saying, yes, you can do this, you should do it. Um, what we've seen in the last few days is a bit more comfort around that you can do it, but certainly government's still falling short of the you should, and they're most certainly not mandating employers mandating vaccinations. So this is why there remains a lot of uncertainty on this particular issue. Um, and and I've, I've taken it upon myself at a personal level to be uh, as, as unambiguous as I can to employers on this particular thing, and you know, for reasons we'll probably get into in this discussion. Yeah, excellent. And obviously, for companies that have been unambiguous, uh, Qantas is one of those. Um, you know, Qantas announced vaccination as a company policy for employers. And I really enjoyed this BBC headline that I saw um, where it said, jab or job, basically. Um, and so is this something that employers are entitled to do? I think you've already started to answer this question. Yeah, look, I, I think it's important for employers to step through in their minds why it is the case that this is something not only that they um, can do, but really the, the more appropriate question, I think, for employers is, is this something that they must do? Um, and the reason for that is, if you take us once again, take a step back, employers have very clear obligations under work health and safety laws across Australia that say that they have to, they must ensure the health, safety and welfare of all of their people in the workplace context, not just their employees and contractors, but anyone who is coming into to, to that particular workplace. There's no ifs, buts or maybes in relation to that unless it's, it's a step that would be so impracticable for an employer to embrace. So that's the starting point. You have to ensure everyone's health, safety and welfare. And the only out is if it's not reasonably practicable. And if you put that into vaccine language, well, um, an employer must start with the proposition that it must introduce mandatory vaccinations because that is the only way, really, if you accept the current advice and, and, and what's being said, that you can properly ensure the health, safety and welfare of your staff and others. 
And then the question becomes, well, you can only really avoid that mandatory vaccinations if you can say it's not reasonably practicable. And I don't think anyone, any employer, is going to be able to say that it's not reasonably practicable because the government is urging everyone to be vaccinated. So I think it's, it's important that employers move away from this question of can we, can't we, to start by asking themselves, must we? And if the answer is a no to the must, you, you should have some compelling reason why that answer um, is going to be a no. And I guess that's interesting. I mean, obviously, I think the Human Rights Council have put some advice out about this and the Fair Work, um, work Ombudsman had put some information out about this. Um, and I guess one of the questions I saw arising is, are there any potential breaches in terms of um, the workplace discrimination laws or any unintended consequences for people who are living with disabilities, for example? Yeah, and the, and the discrimination context is, is, is certainly an important one and one that's been discussed in great detail. Um, when you look at the detail of anti-discrimination laws, uh, while it is the case that, yes, in employment, um, unlawful discrimination is, is, of course, unlawful if someone is treated less favourably or uh, subjected to a condition or requirement that if they have a disability, for example, they would be less able to comply with. When you look at how anti-discrimination laws actually operate, even in that situation, it is a complete defence to a discrimination claim. If an employer can demonstrate that the conditional requirement they've imposed, for example, requiring everyone to be vaccinated, was a reasonable one in all the circumstances. If you can show it's reasonable, that's a complete defence to a discrimination claim. Similarly, if you can show that it is an inherent requirement of a person's job to be vaccinated, for example, because of the type of work that they do, that too is a complete defence for a discrimination argument. And the final point here is that um, what, what a lot of people forget about discrimination laws is that um, in society, there are lots of examples where people are discriminated against, and they're often discriminated against on grounds that are meant to be protected. I, I give the example, as silly as it might be, that when a 13 or 14-year-old applies for a driver's licence, they will be rejected. Have they been discriminated against on the basis of their age? Of course they have. How is it that that's not illegal discrimination? Because there is a separate statute, a separate legal regime that says, in order to get a driver's license, you have to be above a particular age. Discrimination laws always operate hand in hand with other legislation. And where it is required in order to comply with another piece of legislation to engage in an act of discrimination, then that discrimination is not unlawful. So in this particular case, requiring someone to be vaccinated in the name of compliance with work health and safety laws would also be a complete defence to a discrimination claim. So assuming that, um, you know, the government is still going to continue to be ambiguous on this subject, um, from the context of companies, and how likely is it that they're going to be companies who are going to take, you know, the follow the lead of Qantas and introduce these types of policies, do you think, going forward? Well, judging by the amount of work we're doing with organisations at the moment to draft these policies, implement these policies, um, I would think it will be the vast majority of Australian employers that will introduce mandatory vaccinations. I think I would go so far as to say by November, December this year, um, 80 to 90% of employers will, will have these mandatory vaccination policies in place. I think it's important to keep in mind, though, that um, having the policy, introducing the policy and doing your due diligence around the introduction of the policy is one thing. 
That doesn't necessarily mean that an employer should be cavalier in relation to um, how it implements that particular policy. We know that there are a lot of strong views held by employees and people in society. We call them anti-vaxxers or, or whatever label we want to attach to them. There are circumstances where a person will have uh, a, a very um, compelling medical reason why they are reluctant uh, or, or even unable to be vaccinated. And I think the good employers in their policy will be turning their mind to these kinds of situations. And they will not have a black and white approach to the implementation of their policy. They will be working with their people. They will be consulting with their people. If necessary, they'll consult with unions. They will be giving people time to, to make the necessary inquiries. It might even be a simple matter of, as we're seeing for a lot of organisations, um, individuals saying, I want Pfizer, I don't want AZ. Um, these preferences that people have, good organisations will be, will be dealing with the, the need to socialise why they are introducing the policy and have a, a patient and tolerant approach up to a point. Um, and, and that's going to differentiate the good employers from the, the, the employers who are being cavalier. And the ones who are going to be cavalier will probably pay a pretty heavy price in terms of maybe losing some good people, um, disengaging their workforce, and all of those other consequences. And in terms of, I guess, the risks um, that a company might be opening itself up to, um, you know, what are the risks might a company be exposing itself to by taking this position? I mean, other than what you've just mentioned in terms of losing some good people. Yeah, so I, I think the, the, the risks are um, potentially if you don't um, consult properly with your workforce, you could face some uh, union pushback and resistance. Uh, that's never never a pleasant thing. The, the impact that you have on your workforce and on individuals, if they feel that um, you you haven't properly respected their views or their their medical situation, um, in some circumstances, people might even go down the path of challenging um, whether the requirement to be vaccinated amounts to a lawful and reasonable direction. Now. Um, I think employers can be fairly confident that it, it will, but that can't rule out the, the, the challenges that might ensue. If employees are dismissed because they haven't complied, those employees may well bring unfair dismissal claims or take other steps to, to challenge the termination of their employment. So there, there are certainly some, some risks. Uh, there always are in, in terms of any change being introduced in an organisation. So good employers will uh, understand those risks. Uh, and uh, work with appropriate advisors to ensure that they're managing those particular risks because this is a this is a hot issue. There are, there's a lot of emotion around it. There's a lot of emotion around COVID and lockdowns at the moment across the board. So um, you know any, anything that could be seen as being overly adversarial or provocative is likely to, to trigger some response. So one of the things we talked about, obviously, in your previous answers, you talked about companies approaching this um, in a reasonable way. So I was sort of interested to know, you know, what other ways could a company approach a policy around mandatory vaccination that would be, I guess, sufficiently respectful of their employees? Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of work that um, companies and employers should be doing before they communicate with their staff. And uh, that is really about understanding what is the need, you know, that must question uh, interfused with the can question, I guess, understanding all of the, the, the issues of uh, industrial regulation, employment contracts, just knowing the lay of their own land, as it were. But if that company decides, as I expect most of them will, that they do want to go down this particular path, 
Well, then it's about you've got to get the drafting of that policy really crisp um, and, and incorporate into that what might be the exemptions, what might be the processes, if there are difficulties for people. So there's a bit of work for organisations to do and just getting to the point where they can say to their workforce, we now have a policy. But then it's about an intense period of communication consultations. We're doing a lot of Q&A decks for um, clients just so that they can help their employees and those people who might be the managers or supervisors of those particular employees answer the frequently asked questions in, in, in terms of this particular space. Employers should have a good period of time to allow people to comply with the policy. They need to be on top of, um, even if people are wanting to, what if there's a supply shortage, for example? So all of those things need to be well thought through because these are all the kinds of questions and challenges that employees might, might have. Good employers in this space will be ahead of the game. They will know and anticipate what their employees are likely to say or do, and, and they will have answers and have positions in relation to all of those kinds of things. It's never a great look for an employer to say, oh, we haven't thought of that. Leave it with us. We'll come back to you. But if that's the best you've got, that's the best you've got. Um, so it is about patience, um, and, but it is also about doing that due diligence and that homework before you go out to your workforce and say, we're letting everyone know that from tomorrow we've got this mandatory vaccinations policy. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's going to be much better when it's well thought through, well communicated, the subject of good consultation and feedback that's going to take employers a long way. Excellent. I went down to the last question. Um, any words of wisdom that you might leave for risk and compliance professionals who are the people most likely listening to this podcast? I know we're trying to help their organisation sort of get that policy structure right. I think um, risk and compliance professionals, um, first and foremost, need to be fully aware of um, what their organisation's position and thought process is going to be in grappling with this, um, where do we as an organisation sit on the must we? Because, of course, if, if that answer is yes, as it would be for, I think, a lot of employers, well, well then the, the risk and compliance issues get processed in a particular way. If, however, the answer is no, and it's more the, the, an internal debate around the can we, they're slightly different, um, not dissimilar, but slightly different issues and questions for those risk and compliance professionals to, to assess. But I, I have to emphasise that criticality of the deal with the must question first. Um, and, and then I think it falls to those risk and compliance professionals to, to understand that at, at all stages from, let's call it concept or conceptualization of this policy right through to the, the pointy end of maybe having to take decisive action against a, a staff member for non-compliance with that policy. At all stages of that particular journey, there are going to be a range of risks that'll, that'll need to be managed. Each of those will, will need to, of course, be properly assessed. Um, and ensuring that you're well positioned to deal with the, the challenges that might arise, particularly from an individual um, who says that, you know, I'm, I'm really unhappy about, refuse to comply. Um, and, and, and what happens if that person says, well, I'm going to continue to come to work, you can't force me to be jabbed. Um, how is the organisation going to be dealing with those kinds of issues? You know, it might even be that you need to think about having extra security on site. I mean, there's all sorts of things that um, risk and compliance professionals are going to have to manage. I think the best way to do that is sequentially from, as I say, conceptualisation right through to that pointy end of impact. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joe Deep. Um, 
hopefully our members listening to this will go off into the world with a better understanding of what they need to do. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for having me. Appreciated the opportunity to talk. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary. <laughs>